starting out to do something else. Uh, yesterday we put Max, um, he went to heaven, and um, his little Henri going to heaven, I guess. Pastor went down there, I couldn't go. And uh, he didn't like three people holding him down and shaving his legs, so he was growling and hissing. And I, and I said, <laughs> I, you know, it, it, it's very painful when you have to, when you've had a cat or an animal for 23 years. And um, I said, boy, he's lucky he is in this. I felt he's lucky he's in this home, the way he was acting going out. Amen. <laughs> growling and hissing at people. Could you imagine? Goodness, he didn't like the pit bulls that were in the waiting room with him, I guess, and he does not like to be held down. So he's up in heaven running around free with everybody else that's been in our family that's up there. So I was going to teach on something else, but I'm going to teach on Joshua. But do I, I do have a scripture out of 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13 that is for someone here maybe more than one person here, and um, if that's you, you'll know it. Praise the Lord. Those songs were very meaningful this morning, and I was really being blessed by them. Like the woman with the issue of blood. Okay, 1 Peter 4.12, out of the Amplified. Beloved, do not be amazed and bewildered at the fiery ordeal which is taking place to test your quality as though something strange, unusual, and alien to you and your position were befallen you. But in so far as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, rejoice. So that when his glory, full of radiance and splendor, is revealed, you may also rejoice with triumph, exultantly, exalt, whatever. So, that's you. If you're, have you've gone through some fiery trials at work, rejoice. <laughs> That with his glory shall be when when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad with an exceeding with exceedingly joy. This is definitely for some people in your workplace. Amen. So I'm going to say it again, and if we can turn this down or whatever you do with it, move it back. <laughs> Hallelujah. Beloved, do not be amazed and bewildered at the fiery ordeal which is taking place to test your quality as though something strange, unusual, and alien to you at your position were befalling you. But insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, rejoice so that when his glory, full of radiance and splendor, is revealed, you may also rejoice with triumph. Exaltancy. So you might be going through a tough time, but it's almost over, and you need to rejoice. Amen. I don't know who that's for. It could be for many, but that's what I got for someone here. I believe it's more than one this morning concerning your workplace or whatever. Okay, Father, I thank you for the privilege this morning that I have to teach your wonderful 
children God this word and as I studied yesterday and last night on Joshua I learned so much about his character and I thank you God that this morning as I share this word and however far I get in it I have no idea that we will all know that we have been in the very presence of God I yield myself to you, spirit, soul, and body, and I bind every demonic spirit, every principality and power, and I loosen your power and your anointing in Jesus' name. You know, I remember Oral Roberts used to say, something good is going to happen to you this week, and I truly believe it. Hallelujah. So, um, we know that Joshua was the successor of Moses, and he was a soldier of the Lord. Okay, the first thing he did was he prepared for leadership. You know, there is a preparing for leadership. Anything you do, you need to prepare for it. And as I read this, it really, I was excited to look at his life. In Exodus chapter 1, um, no, Exodus 17, I'm sorry, if you saw my notes, you would go, what on earth? I don't think I've had sloppier notes in my life. Exodus 17. Let's see, I want to make sure I'm in the right... Okay, let's start with verse 1. All the congregation of the Israelites moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and encamped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you find fault with me? Why do you tempt the Lord and try his patience? But the people thirsted therefore for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Why do you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? You notice these people's minds were always going over to the negative. They couldn't seem to get a grip of what God had done parted the Red Sea, I mean, of what God, how he got them out of Egypt. They went and they borrowed, but they ended up owning all the silver, all the gold. They left there with not one feeble amongst them. They had everything, and they were continually looking backwards. And that is one thing, if you remember, that Paul said that he does, he refused to look backwards, but he pressed on to the mark of high calling. And we need to learn something here as we look at these people. I don't know how Moses stood it for so long, really, honestly. I, as I read through this, I, I, felt, I honestly felt bad for him that he went through all this and he didn't get to see the promised land. You know what I mean? But anyway, he had a job and so... But the people thirsted for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, verse 3, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and the livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? 
They are almost ready to stone me. The people said to Moses, Pass on before the people and take with you. The Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the rod with which you smote the river Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Mount Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa, proof. Hang on a second, sorry. Massa, proof that an Meribah contention because the fault finding of the Israelites and because of the tem they tempted and tried the patience of the Lord saying the, is the Lord among us or not then came Amalek descendants of Esau who fought with Israel at Rephidim and Moses said to Joshua Choose us out, men, and go out, fight with Amalek tomorrow, and I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So, um, hang on a second. When I looked this up, it was quite interesting. Um, the Battle of Amalek. Amalek was the grandson of Esau and was the founder of a large clan of fierce desert warriors known as the Amalekites who fought against Israelites' entrance into Canaan. So here you go, right away, you get these um, Amalekites who fought against the Israelites in the entrance of Canaan. You know, Canaan is the promised land, amen? And so we see that this is the grandson of Esau. And so here we go. We see that Moses is saying, you go out and fight the battle. This is the first time we really hear much about Joshua. Choose us out, men, and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said and fought with the Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the hilltop when Moses held up his hands Israel prevailed and when he lowered his hands Amalek prevailed now how many have held your hands up all day you know I mean can you imagine you're holding your hands up how tired that was but you knew I've got to hold my hands up so our men will prevail so let's see what happens but Moses' hands were heavy and grew weary. So the other men took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Then Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua moved down and disabled Amalek and his people with the sword. And the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly, utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under the heavens. You notice what he says. He says, write it down in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. So this was something that 
that Moses must have rehearsed in the ears of Joshua often. And then he goes on to say, because he says, let's see. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, the Lord is my banner. And he said, because, because theirs is a hand against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So praise the Lord. The Lord is my banner. Okay, so we see that um, number two, the first time mentioned at the Battle of Amalek, he led these forces, like I said. Let's look at Numbers 13, 13 through 16. Let's look at verse 1. And the Lord said to Moses, Send men to explore and scout out for yourselves the land of Canaan. Now remember, these people were standing in the way. The Amalekites were standing in the way, so they couldn't even get to the land of Canaan, and so they had to deal with them. Okay? They were always having to war with someone. Does that sound familiar? You ever feel like at times you're having to war with someone? Thank God it's not in your home. I hope it's not in your home. But they were always having to deal with someone that was trying to keep them, prevent them from obtaining God's promises. Amen? And that's the same with us today. There's always, the enemy always tries to send something or someone to keep us from obtaining God's promises for our lives. Okay, so here we are. He says, send these men to explore and scout out for yourselves the land of Canaan, which I give to the Israelites from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man, everyone, a leader or head among them. So he's saying, I want a leader or a head of every tribe to go with you. Okay. And so Moses, by the command of the Lord, sent scouts from the wilderness of Paran, all of them men who were heads of the Israelites. These were the names of the tribes of Reuben, Shuma, son of, and it goes on, and you guys can look up that. You've got Dan, Asher, Naphtali, Gad. Anyway, the, in verse 16, okay. These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to explore and scout out the land. And Moses called Hosea, son of Nun, Joshua. Moses sent them to scout out the land of Canaan and said to them, Get up this way by the south, the Negev, and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak, few or many and whether the land they live in is good or bad, and whether the cities they dwell in are camps or strongholds. So, and what the land is, whether it is fat or lean, whether it is timber on it or not, 
and be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. Now listen to these grapes. This is really something. I'd like to see some grapes like this. Okay. <laughs> Praise God. So they want to know about the grapes. And so they went up and scouted through the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob and the entrance of Hamath. And they went up to the south, the Negev, and came to Hebron and Aramah, Sheshiah, and Talamai, probably three tribes, the son of Anak, was there. Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came to the valley of Eshcol and cut down from there a bunch with one cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two of them. They brought it also, they brought also some pomegranates and figs. So here we go. They cut one cluster of grapes and they carried it on a pole between the two of them. Can you imagine how big these grapes were? I mean, if this is one cluster of grapes on a pole that they carried between them, these were big grapes. I mean, you could make a meal of a grape. <laughs> one grape meal. Hallelujah. And pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshkol cluster because the clusters which the Israels cut down there and they returned from scouting out the land after 40 days. They came to Moses and Aaron and to all the Israelite, Israelite congregation in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh and brought them word and showed them the land's fruit. They told Moses, we came to the land to which you sent us Surely it flows with milk and honey. This is its fruit. But the people who dwell there are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the sons of Anak, a great stature, of great stature and courage. Amalek dwells in the land of the south, and of Negeb, the Hittite, the Jebusite, and the Amorite dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanite, all these knights, dwell in the sea and along by the side of the Jordan River. Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. We are well able to conquer it. But his fellow scout said, We are not able to go up against the people of Canaan, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought the Israelites an evil report of the land which they had scouted out, saying, The land through which we went to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it were men of great stature. There we saw Nephilim, for, or giants, the sons of Anak, who came from the giants, and we were in our own sight. Notice, we were in our own sight grasshoppers. So, in their own sight, they said they were grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. They were assuming a lot here. 
because they all came back healthy, whole, and with the fruit of the land. Now this is amazing to me. If, this, if these people were so strong, some of them or all of them would have been dead. Amen? But here they are with their own confession saying, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. So they saw themselves as grasshoppers and those others giants, but the giants weren't doing anything. Amen? So I find that very interesting. I'm going to really, I'm not going to go fast on this. I want us to really see how we assume things that go on around us and we see giants when really, and we see giants and us as grasshoppers. Instead, we should see us as the giants for greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world and them as grasshoppers. And we know that through, through our God, we shall do valiantly. Hallelujah. We need to get a whole new perspective of who we are in Christ Jesus. And greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. God had already told these people, this is your land full of milk and honey. Hallelujah. So too many times we confess the opposite of what God has said over us and we see giants and ourselves grasshoppers. I am telling you right now, I am no grasshopper. That is for sure. They're too close to a cockroach to me. Okay, let's move on. So they, their confession and belief fortified their faith. In other words, this was the faith that they had. They did not have faith in the word of God, what God had promised them. They had faith in what they, what they saw instead of what the word of God told them, which is sad. And, mo and many, many people are in this state in this hour because of what they're listening to. And we need to stop listening to what the enemy has to say. Amen. Okay, so. Um, number, that was number two. They went up. They have this, they see these fruits and so-called giants. Maybe they were large in stature, but they certainly weren't running after the Israelites, and they weren't doing anything to them. Okay, number three, he became the servant of Moses, accompanying, um, accompanying him partway up, the Mount, up Mount Sinai, where the decalage was given. Exodus 24.1. This is Joshua. You know, there were two men that had another spirit and Joshua chose to prepare himself and follow Moses around. I, I, I'm just amazed. This man chose to prepare himself to spend as much time around 
his leader as he could and find out as much about God as he could. Hallelujah. You know, God is looking for people today that will, will totally respect the anointing of those leaders that are around them and desire to be around those leaders and find out what causes you to tick and what causes you to operate in the way you operate. Hallelujah. Okay, so here we go. We're going to go right now to Exodus 24.1. It's really sad because any one of these leaders could have followed Moses. Any one of them and any and all of them, really, if you think about this, all of them could have been strong in the Lord and the power of his might. But here is Joshua who makes a decision that he is going to spend his life following his leader and following and, and, and understanding God in a way that none of these other people did, which is really sad. Instead, outside of Caleb, they became murmurers and complainers. Exodus 24, verse 1. God said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abadu, Aaron's sons, and 70 of Israel's elders, and worship at a distance. Moses alone shall come near the Lord. The others shall not come near, and neither shall the people come up with him. Moses came and told the people all that the Lord had said, and all the ordinances, and, and all the people answered with one voice, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. So they all with one voice said this, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Wow. Think about this. Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. He rose up early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up, set up 12 pillars representing Israel's 12 tribes. And he sent young Israelite men who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he dashed against the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people, and they said, All that the Lord has said we will do, and we will be obedient." Here we go again. They said it again. All that the Lord has said, we will do, and we will be obedient. Remember Saul, King Saul, what happened? He became disobedient. He became rebellious. He did not do what the Lord asked him to do. And he lost out on being the king of Israel. Amen? Okay. And Moses took the remaining half of the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, Behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you in accordance with these words, 
Then Moses, Aaron, Nabab, Abadu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up the mountainside, and they saw the God of Israel, that is, the, the convincing manifestation of his presence, and under his feet it was like pavement of bright sapphire stone, like the very heavens in clearness. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine being one of those that was hand chosen to go up and see this? I mean, this is so powerful when you think about this. And they saw the God of Israel, that is the convincing manifestation of his presence. And under his feet, it was like pavement of bright sapphire stone, like the very heavens in clearness. And upon the noble of the Israelites, he laid not his hand to conceal himself from them, to rebuke their daring or to harm them. But they saw the manifestation of the presence of God and ate and drank. And the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me into the mountain and be there, and I will give you tables of stone and the law of the commandments which have written to you, which have written that you may teach them. So Moses rose with Joshua his attendant, and Moses went up the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, Tarry here for us until we come back to you. Remember, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a cause, let him go to them. So he put them in charge. He said, if you have a cause, go to them. Where did he tell them to go or stay? Anybody? Tarry here for us. We come back to you. Remember, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a cause, let him go to them. Then Moses went up the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, God called to Moses, and out of the midst of the cloud, and the glory of the Lord appeared to the Israelites like devouring fire on top of the mountain. Moses entered into the midst of the cloud and went up the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Hallelujah. Praise God. You notice Joshua went up the mountain with him as far as he could go. He was bound and determined that he was going to partake of as much of God's presence and as much of God's glory as he could. Hallelujah. Any of them at the beginning of this could have, have done the same. You know, when Moses went into the tent, Joshua would, Joshua would wait outside just to partake of some of the presence. Hallelujah. You know, this is what God is looking for in this hour. Men and women that will have a desire 
to have to be in the presence of God and partake of him. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's move on. He became the servant of Moses, accompanying him partway up the mount up Mount Sinai where the Decalogue was given. Exodus 24:1 which we read Let's look at 1 Corinthians 11.25 a minute. I found this so interesting and so intriguing as I was studying yesterday. I couldn't, I couldn't part from it. I can't explain it. There's so much for us in this hour of the presence and the glory of God being manifested but it's going to take our giving our all to him to partake in this presence. And, you know, when God told us to, to name this church Shekinah Glory, he said, I want you to name this church Shekinah Glory so my presence, so you will be, you and the people will be in my presence because I desire for my presence to come into the place. That's why we don't talk in the sanctuary. So we can expect and be in the presence of God. You know, I'm very aware of the fact that this is not something that, that there, that there is a price to pay for this. And not everybody wants to pay that price. There is a place of holiness that God is calling his people to. And there is a remnant of believers that are that are desiring to have this a remnant just a remnant brother Hagen talked about a remnant of believers praying and we're part of that remnant church okay 1st Corinthians 11:25 similarly when supper was ended he took the cup also saying this cup is the new covenant ratified and established in my blood. Do this often as you drink it. To me, affectionately to remember. Remember, he talks about where, where he took the blood. So this is just a part of that, okay, explaining how, how Moses took the blood. Hebrews 8, 6. You know, people wonder, well, why did he take half the blood and do this with half of it, do this with the other half? There is the blood covenant. When you truly understand the blood covenant that we have with the Lord, now, it, now as it is, he, Christ, has acquired a priestly ministry, which is much superior and more excellent than the old, the covenant and agreement of which is the mediator, the arbitrator, agent, is superior and more excellent because it is in, enacted and rests upon more important, sublime, higher, and noble, nobler promises. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I just praise God. Hebrews 10, 28 and 29. It's the blood. The Bible says we overcome Satan 
by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Praise you, Jesus. So this, when Moses did this with the blood, it was so very important. It was to cover them, to protect them, and we're going to see what they did. Okay, 10, 28, and 29. Any person who has violated and thus rejected and said it not, the law of Moses is put to death without pity or mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse, sterner, and heavier punishment do you suppose he will be judged to deserve who has spurned and thus trampled underfoot the Son of God and who has considered the covenant blood by which he was consecrated, common, and unhallowed, this profaning it and insulting and outraging the Holy Spirit who imparts grace, the unmerited favor and blessing of God. That's in Exodus 24, 8. Praise you, Jesus. And then verse Exodus 19, 21. I want us to have a real understanding how important this blood that Moses took was in God's sight. When Moses went up on the mountain to receive the tablets, he certainly did not expect them to go on and make that golden calf and go on and have an orgy and do whatever it was that they were doing. It's not even worth discussing. Exodus 19. nineteen twenty-one. The Lord said to Moses, Go down and warm the people, lest they break through the Lord to gaze, and many of them perish. And also let the priests who came near the Lord sanctify, set apart themselves for God, lest the Lord break forth against them. And Moses said to the Lord, These people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself charged us, saying, Set bonds about the mountain and sanctify it. Set it apart for God. And the Lord said to him, Go, get down, and you shall come up, you and Aaron with you. But let not priest and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest they break forth against them. Well, we're going to see later what a big mess that was. Okay. Um, hang on. Verses 12 and 13. I'm not sure if I... Let's look at this a second. Let's go down here to verse 20, or chapter 20, verse 1. Then the Lord said all these words. I am the Lord your God, 
who has brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall not make yourselves any graven image to worship it or any likeness of anything that is in the heavens above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down yourself to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy and steadfast love to, the, to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Hallelujah. Listen what he says. There's going to be a curse to those that do not serve him three and four generations. But he says that I am the Lord your God, a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation, but showing mercy and steadfast love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now I'm going to take little Alakai and use him as an example here. He's part of the new covenant in his generations. You know, if the Lord were to tarry, would be blessed, 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 blessed. Hallelujah. Thank God. I mean, when you think about this and you look at this in that example, what a blessing. What a difference. Maybe you came out of curses, but now you, because of you serving Jesus and the blood of Jesus, have a new covenant on you. Thank the Lord. Think of how powerful this is. Amen. Okay, um, where am I? But showing mercy and steadfast love to a thousand generations and to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not use or repeat the name of the Lord your God in vain. That is lightly and frivolously in false affirmations of profanity, for the Lord will not hold him guileless who takes his name in vain. Earnestly remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Withdraw from common employment and dedicate it to the Lord. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son, your daughter, your manservant, your maidservant, your domestic animals, or sojourner within your gates. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, in the sea, and all of them that are in it. And he goes on, and rested the seventh day. This is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it and set it apart for his purpose. Regard treat and, and honor due to obedience encourage your father and mother that your days may be long in the land and the Lord your God gives you and then he goes on and says you won't commit adultery or murder and he goes on with this anyway so he has in verse 12 and 13 um, 
in one of these places that I wrote down, he talks about Joshua's attendant being an honor. So we see that God is moving mightily in our behalf, and he's saying, take the Sabbath. We know back then it was Saturday. Now it's Sunday, and make it holy. That's why the Word of God says, forsake not the assembling, even so much more as you see the evil day approaching. All he's asking for is one day a week. I mean, think of it. Make it holy. Rejoice. Teach this to your children. Amen. Okay, number four. In Numbers 13, 8 to 16. I hope you're getting what I'm teaching here this morning. God is a holy God and we shall serve him in, in holiness, in spirit and in truth. Amen. And let me tell you, it is getting closer and closer to the time of his coming and he is demanding more and more holiness. Not just demanding it, but those that are truly of him desire it. Have such a desire to be in his presence. Okay, he was one of the sent from Kadesh to check out the land, Numbers 13, 8, and 16. What an honor. Numbers 13, 8. You shall explain to your son on that day, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall be a sign unto your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord your God may be in your mouth. For a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this ordinance at the time from year to year. And when the Lord brings you into the land of Canaanites, and he promised, even swore to you and your fathers, you shall give and give it to you, and shall set apart to the Lord all the first opens that opens the womb and the firstlings of the livestock that are males of the Lord. Let's see, where did I say we were going? Okay, I'm in Exodus. Did I? I'm sorry. We're in Exodus 13. I apologize to you. If we can turn this heater off, I'm about ready to melt into a little pool. Okay. Sorry about that. We are in Exodus chapter 13, 16, and I do apologize. Every firstborn of the donkey you shall redeem by submitting substituting for it a lamb or if you are not if you will not redeem it then you shall break its neck and every firstborn among your sons shall be you shall redeem and when the time is come your son asks you what does this mean you shall say to him by strength of the hand of the lord brought us out of egypt from the house of bondage and bondsmen for when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord showed all the firstborns in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn and the male, 
and of livestock. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord the males, the first open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. And it shall be as, as a reminder upon your hand and as the frontlets between your eyes for the strong hand of the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Hallelujah. Joshua and Caleb gave a positive report in Numbers 14, 6 through 30. I want us to see how important this was. Do you think God has changed? I don't. There's a special place here. When I look at this, I think about, they didn't murmur, they didn't complain. One of them said, Caleb said, let's go now, 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 and take this country. Church, I'm telling you, you're going to come to a place where there are going to be some decisions to be made. And if God has told you something, move out. Don't wait. You know, so many people lose out because they wait. Okay, Numbers 14. This is Joshua and Caleb giving a positive report. And they were the only two permitted, because of their, the, because of their tongue, they were the only two permitted to go into the promised land. How important do you think the power of our tongue will be in being in the rapture? I want you to think about this for a while. Honey, turn that on again for me. I'm so sorry. Um, numbers 14, 6. Well, I'm going to stop pretty soon. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the Israelites. Because listen what they said. All the congregation cried out with a loud voice and they wept on that night. All the Israelites grumbled and deplored their situation, accusing Moses and Aaron, to whom the whole congregation said, Would that we had died in Egypt or that we had died in this wilderness, why does the Lord bring us out on this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will be prey. Is it not better for us to return to Egypt? They were always wanting to go back to Egypt. Always wanting to go back to Egypt. You know, have you ever noticed that until you get your mind straight with Corinthians 10, 4, and 5, it always wants to go backwards. Have you ever noticed that? Or it always wants to remember the horrible things that have happened. God wants us to get our minds straightened out and go forward. Forget, forgetting the past. Forgetting the past. Amen? So let's go ahead and look at this. Um, Then Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephneh, who were among the scouts who had searched the land, rent their clothes, and they said to the company of Israelites, The land through which we passed as scouts is exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. How many know 
that God's plans for you are to bring you out into a good land filled with milk and honey. It is not his plan to give you a bunch of garbage. Amen? Now, other people might tell you so, but that's not his plan for you. Amen? Don't yawn. Only hang on with me for a little bit. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Don't rebel against the Lord. Neither fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense and their shadow of protection is removed from over them. But the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation said to stone, Joshua and Caleb with stones. They wanted to stone them. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting before the Israelites. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people provoke, spurn, despise me? And how long will it be before they believe me, trusting in, relying on, clinging to me for all the signs which I have performed among them? I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit, disinherit them and will make of you, Moses, a nation greater and mightier than they. Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear it. For you brought out this people in your might from among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, Lord, are in the midst of this people of Israel, that you, Lord, are seen face to face, and that the cloud stands over them, and that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now if you kill all this people as one man, then the nations that have heard your fame will say, because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he swore and gave to them. Therefore he has slain them in the wilderness. And now I pray you, let the power of my Lord be great, as you have promised, saying, The Lord is long-suffering, slow to anger, and abundant in mercy, and loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity on the fathers upon the children, upon the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I pray you, the iniquity of this people, according to the greatness of your mercy and loving kindness, just as you have forgotten them, forgiven them from Egypt until now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. Do you see how strong Moses' word was to the Lord? He was not backing off. He put God in remembrance of his word. Church, when you intercede before God, this is how powerful your prayers are. I want you to realize this. Your prayers before God, along with the word of God, is powerful. So many people are concerned about their families. Stand. Don't get in the middle of it. Let God work the thing out. But stand and pray and leave it with him. He will complete the work that he's begun. Amen? Okay, um, where was I? But truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men who have seen my glory and my miraculous signs, which I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, 
yet have tested and proved me in these ten times, and have not heeded my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swore to give their fathers, nor shall any who provoke, spurn, despise me to see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which into which he went, and the descendants shall possess it. Now because of the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley tomorrow, turn and go into the wilderness by way of the Red Sea. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this evil congregation murmur against me? I have heard the complaints of the Israelites murmur against me. Tell them, as I live, says the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness of who are of all who are numbered with you from twenty years and upward who have murmured against me. Surely none shall come into the land which I swore and make to dwell except Caleb and the son of Jephna and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones, whom you said would be a prey, them I will bring in, and they shall know the land which they which you have despised and rejected. Listen how God, good God is, and your children shall be wanderers and shepherds in the wilderness for forty years, and shall suffer for your whoredoms and your infidelity, and your espoused God until the corpses are consumed in the wilderness. After that number of the day in which you spied out the land of Canaan, even forty days for each year, for each day and forty years, you shall know my displeasure, the revoking of my promise, and my estrangement. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this will I do to all the, this evil congregation who is gathered together against me in the wilderness and shall be consuming by war, disease, plagues, and here they shall die. And the men whom Moses sent to search the land, who returned and made all the congregation grumble and complain against him by bringing back a slanderous report of the land. Even those people who brought the evil report of the land died by a plague before the Lord. But Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jesna, who were among the men who went to search the land, live still. Moses told the Lord's words to all the Israelites, and they mourned greatly. As they rose early in the morning, they went up to the top of the mountain, saying, Behold, here we are, and we intend to go up to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. But Moses said, Why now do you transgress the command of the Lord to Turn back by way of the Red Sea, since it, is, it will not succeed. Give not up, for the Lord is not among you, that you be not struck down. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you have turned away from following the Lord. Therefore the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up to the heights of the hill, con country. However, neither of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of, of, nor Moses departed out of the camp. 
You know, when we look at this, we see that these people would not stop murmuring and complaining and we see what happened to them. Church, I'm here to tell you, if you're murmuring and complaining, stop it now. There is a mindset that right now you have the opportunity to turn everything negative around and allow God to change the course immediately, and he will. We're under his mercy. Thank God. We're under his mercy right now. Turn it around. If, there, if you've been murmuring, complaining, like I shared earlier in the earlier early class, when I preached that sermon in, whether it was the last Sunday of November or whatever, Pastor and I made a decision. We're not watching the news. We're not listening to it. We don't want any part of it. Our lives changed because it was literally pulling us down and causing us to murmur and complain. But once you stop and you turn things around, then God can use you in such a mighty way. Hallelujah. The words of our mouths are so important in this hour that we live in. And we see, as we will get back into this later, how Joshua, we're going to turn this around next, next time, and we're going to see his career and how God moved on him. And he moved that group of people, those children that were left, God did exactly what he said he would do for them. He took them into the promised land. And we're going to see how, through obedience, and understanding the word of God, they, the promised land opened up to them and they were able to conquer it. And that's what God has for each one of us. I don't know if you got anything out of today. I certainly hope so. But get ready because you are about ready to, uh, to enter into a place in God that you've always dreamed of. But he is about ready to, to literally thrust those in the body of Christ that have yielded themselves completely over to God and have make, made a decision to follow him and live holy lives. He is going to thrust them into the glory of God and move them out into a place that seemingly that you always dreamed of and seemingly looked like impossible to get there but let me tell you right now you are being moved into that place through your obedience and that's exciting not only you but your children along with you this is a brand new day and we are about ready to see great and mighty things take place <coughs> in the body of Christ that remnant that are truly searching God and are desiring the things of God and are desiring to put him first place. Like I said in the beginning, Joshua prepared to be in the place that he ended up in as the leader. The one thing Moses wanted was to lead them into the promised land. But Joshua got to lead them there. And it's exciting when we get to that place. I'm sorry I messed up on the scripture. Go home, read what you got. And get before God this week and say, Father, I am dedicating myself to you. 
and I'm de dedicating my family to you. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. How many agree with me on that? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what it looks like outside there. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. We're serving God. It doesn't matter what tries to come your way. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We're getting ready to move forward, and it's happening quickly. Very, very quickly. The power and the anointing of God is coming upon those that have made a decision, a quality decision to walk in peace, to walk in peace with one another, and to go forth into the mighty works of God and allow Him to completely control every step and every area of your life. And you're going to see signs and wonders take place and everything you put your hand to prosper. How many want that? I mean, how many can imagine that? Everything you put your hand to prospering. Hallelujah. We're going to see, find out the one goof that was made and what happened and how they just picked it right up and conquered everywhere they went. You know, Jesus said we're more than conquerors. Get up and get ready to conquer because that is what is next on the agenda. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here. I thank you for the word that's gone out. You know, your word says that you told Joshua to go and meditate in, his, in your word day and night. And then he would make his way prosperous and he would have good success. Nothing's changed, God. It's the same for us. Do not be afraid or dismayed, but go forth in the mighty power of the Lord. That is my prayer for this group of people this day, that they are going to see things change, doors open, and super abundantly above all that they could dare ask or think. God is going to literally, like a bulldozer, push things out of the way and make room for your glory to be shown in their lives and everything that they're called to do as they dedicate and yield themselves over to you. And I ask you, Father God, to bless each one this week. I ask you, Father God, I speak peace to every person. If there's anything that's hindering them, holding them back, God, I ask you, Father God, to reveal it to them so they can move it, remove it, get it out of the way because you are pouring out your spirit in a way on this earth like it's never been poured out before. We know where sin abounds, grace does so much more abound and we are ready to walk in the promises of God and in the, the completeness that you have promised to give us. And I praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Be ready for things to open up that you've been praying about for maybe months, weeks, years, and God is all of a sudden going to open it up. 
Sorry it's taken a little longer than normal, but get ready. God's moving, and he's going to do something big for you. Big. Thank you, and have a blessed week. Don't forget to sign up for Saturday. The Bible 